Welcome to the Chaos Corral, where we provide you the tips and tricks to build high-performing teams, grow your culture, and become a better leader. I'm your host, Damien Aguirrechu. Today on the podcast, we have Gerald Bonner. Gerald's a TEDx speaker and employee engagement consultant who's been advising and coaching senior-level executives for over 15 years. Excited to have Gerald on the podcast today. Let's get into it. Hey, Gerald. So you say that learning agility is the most important skill for knowledge workers today and for folks to reach their human potential. Tell me a little bit about that. What is learning agility? So learning agility is the focus and the attention of an individual to look to be learning from all different areas as they go through their day-to-day life. We can no longer sit back and just say, well, if I'm not in a classroom, I'm not learning. So we have to have the mindset of, did I just learn something and be consciously aware actually subconsciously actively going, oh, I just learned something new. Oh, something that I hadn't thought about. And here's a way for me to start connecting dots to see bigger pictures and have more insights into doing things differently. So learning agility is kind of like curiosity, but it's kind of taking a step further, right? So if you're curious about how something is moving, but then you take that next step to learn and investigate and do something about it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Learning agility is taking your curiosity and actually saying to Today, on a regular basis, I'm curious about this and how can I use it and how can I find some answers to it? And then how can I start doing that repeatedly over a long period of time? So it sounds like it's not just being curious and wanting to learn, but it's actually kind of making a structure around it and making it a real thought process behind. Let me make sure that I'm adding to the quiver, right? Putting more educational arrows in the quiver. What do you do to kind of structure your day or your life to make sure that you're constantly learning? I'll get back to that second part, but it's not just the quiver, but it's how am I actually making my quiver stronger and how Mm. am I actually going out? It's kind of like working out in the gym. If you work out regularly in the gym, or even if you're just doing something as simple as walking, first you say, okay, I'm going to walk a half hour. Then the next time you turn around, you say, okay, now I'm going to walk for 40 minutes. And then the next time you can say, I'm walking for 50 minutes. That's building that strength. Well, with learning agility, you have to say, okay, if I'm attending a seminar, what can I pull out of that conference to say, wow, that was something new. Six months from now, a year from now, I'm going to remember what happened in that conference and apply that learning to something in my day-to-day life. So that also kind of gets back to your second question, which is, what do I do? When I'm in an attendance at a conference and sitting in listening to a panel, I'm looking for key things that I can then apply later in my life and think about it. I give the audience an example of that. About a year ago, I was sitting at the launch bio and listening to a bunch of cybersecurity people. And as we were talking, they asked the audience for questions. And so the question I asked the cybersecurity folks was, well, if you say that this cybersecurity is important, how do you deal with cybersecurity when you know the law is not going to really go out and enforce cybersecurity violations? And they were like, wow, that's a great question. Because at the end of the day, so cybersecurity laws exist. However, enforcing cybersecurity laws and getting the police to get involved takes a lot of effort if your claim and damages are not high. And I bring that up because 30 years ago, I read a book called The Cuckoo's Egg. And this guy was actually chasing a cybersecurity spiring of Germans. And when he went to the FBI, the FBI said, well, you've only lost 75 cents. Why are you bothering us? Wow. So I was able to take what I learned from that book 30 years ago and bring it into the present. And these folks were like, 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. The FBI is not going to get involved if you have a $100 cybersecurity violation. That's interesting because knowing you already, I know that you're a prolific reader. And so how do you go about capturing these things that you've read and distilling it and maintaining it in your brain? Because I know I, I read all the time, but not everything sticks. So how do you help it to stick? So that's a great question. I help it stick by A, I've started getting into the habit of actually taking notes while I'm reading and putting those notes into my smartphone and then transferring it into my Evernote and then putting them into the content of my presentations and then talking to people about learning it because the more I talk about that kind of information, the more I remember it and then it becomes easier to tell the stories. So you got to get in the habit of repeating what you learned fast. The more I learn something and then share it with somebody else and repeat that story, then all of a sudden it just becomes a natural a progression for me to unconsciously capture that information, store it, use it, and remember it repeatedly. That's great because I think that's when things really stick, right? When you're teaching someone else. So once you've absorbed it and you start telling the story and start telling someone about what you've learned, I feel like that's when things start to cement in your brain. My old man always talks about translational learning, right? So you take something that you learned in one area of business or life and you translate it into another area of business. And I think that really helps with innovation and keeping things fresh. So seeing these trends in one area and how does it translate into something that seemingly doesn't make sense. And it sounds like that's what you do with all these books, all this learning that you're taking in. You're kind of seeing these patterns evolve in different areas of business. Is that a fair thing to say? That is absolutely accurate. So the way I was able to write my six competencies of success article was because we were working with this client. We were reading tons of content. I was referring them to listen to small podcasts of information. And like you just said, I saw this pattern of no matter what book, what newspaper article, we read and discussed, I could see this pattern of if you're not talking about continuous improving, if you're not measuring the direction of the results, if you're not thinking about how what you're measuring relates to value, then you can't really start planning. And then you need to be communicating, be a great communicator, and you need to have a network. And I was like, wow, those six are always popping up. And so I wrote that article. So you're absolutely spot on. If you read enough and listen to enough podcasts, you're going to start hearing a pattern. Just like in our everyday communications, 20 years ago, nobody talked about people having bandwidth. But now we talk about, mm. oh, I don't have the bandwidth, right? Mm. So these things start to evolve into our discussions and, and into our thinking after we hear it pretty regularly. That's funny. I never thought of that. It's kind of the lexicon from the technology aspects just sunk in and now we use it for, I don't have the bandwidth for one more meeting, right? So it's almost like we're tapped out. We're not at that 5G level of things that are going on now. Yeah, right. So at the end of the day, you want to be top in your field. You've got to be moving to that 5G level in your daily learning so that you can stay ahead of the field. Because if you're still on 3G while your competitors in the marketplace are up to 5G, you're going to be behind in the market. And I think it's a great topic because like I mentioned, you're always hitting the mark with knowledge workers and creating that value. And so if you're not doing something every day to incrementally better yourself, then you're going to be left behind. As we've seen technology increase so rapidly, it doesn't take much to be in the undertow of this wave of technology. Based on that, what are some things that you're doing? Like I said, I know that you are a prolific reader. So do you structure your day around it? You're running your own business. You have clients to take care of. How do you integrate this? How I integrate it is I start off by making sure I have a habit of reading and I also have a habit of listening to podcasts. And so when I listen to a podcast and if the podcast is from Knowledge at Wharton, they're talking to an author that 
recommends a book or just published a book, well, then I put that book into my Goodreads app as a book wanting to read. Then when I'm looking for my next book, I go into my Goodreads and I say, okay, here's a book I wanted to read because I heard the podcast. Is it at the library or do I need to buy it? Then when I finally get the book, I turn around and I start putting the notes in. I go from online podcasts, hearing a podcast, somebody referenced some material, or I might read an article from Harvard Business Review or Forbes and they'll talk about a book and that book goes on in my book list. And then if the book talks about another author and references their material, well, then I go look that person up and I find their books and I go ahead and I say, okay, I need to read that. So last month, I just finished reading a book by Tom Peters, who's a guru on leadership and excellence. And he referenced a book called Positive Personalities. I'm picking it up today from the library. Nice. So it, one brings you to the next. So you're constantly stacking on, on what you've done previously. Right. And the more you keep reading the repeated stuff, you know, the more you start to intuitively develop those behaviors if you're dedicated enough to actually keep going. So now that we have learned what are the steps that we take on a daily basis to increase our learning agility and pack our brains with more of the information that we need to be a valuable knowledge worker, it sounds like it's a pretty easy jump to how does this tie into career progression? How do you make this value that you've acquired? How do you make it known to your employer? How you make it known to your employer is you start applying to it and you say, you start looking to what are you applying it to that's going to create more value or create a savings within the operations and the organization. By that, I mean, you have to turn around and say, okay, so now that I have this skill, how do I tell my boss I have this skill? So for example, I started working for LinkedIn in 2016 while I was in China and LinkedIn has what they call a social selling index. And I actually got up to 97. And so I literally printed out my score and I went to my boss and said, hey, look, my social selling index is 97 for the last month. We have a whole team of marketing people that need to raise their social selling scores within LinkedIn to above 50. And I should go talk to the person that sells LinkedIn marketing services so that her team can understand how to use this to sell our services. And he was like, yes, go talk to them. That's a great story. And honestly, that hits home for me because one of the things that I'm constantly touting is, is integration of sales and marketing. So bringing these two areas together. And I just thought it was so interesting how you said, I have X selling score. I'm in the 90s. And these marketing folks aren't selling or their score isn't high enough. And I think a couple of things that you highlight there that are really interesting is one, the need for marketers to be able to sell and to understand. And two, the ability to show the value to your own employer saying, hey, I have this skill. I'm willing to go across the aisle and help out another area of the business because it's going to be beneficial for all of us. And I think that's something that a lot of people forget to bring up is that ability to say, hey, this is right for the business, not just myself. That is absolutely true. Most people do not know how to say, get beyond, well, it's good for me and it's good for the business. Anytime employees can think about what's the mutual benefit for this, for me, for the others and the company, they will win. If they can't think about the mutual benefit, then they're just thinking, I just want a paycheck. Right. And there's a million people that'll just take a paycheck, but there's very few that'll actually try and help that business push forward, right? That's correct. A lot of people 
are just not rare and they're not different. And I remember seeing a marketing presentation where I asked the guy, the presenter, I said, you're saying employees are not rare. Why? He goes, can you go out and hire somebody tomorrow with the same skill set? I was like, yes, I can. He goes, so then they're not rare. Wow. And I was like, see, and that's a learning opportunity, right? And I think that's a reminder for everyone that be rare, be uncommon, do something that's over and above the rest in order to show that you're of value and you're someone that needs to be looked at as a leader in the organization. Yeah. So that's a very good call out, Damien, because I remember talking to a client in China and we were going through what is real top talent, who's a B player, who's a C player. And you know, she said to me, and she was the head of HR and recruiting, and she said to me, what if I only need C players? And I'm like, wow, yeah. Mm. What if you only need C players? I said, well, then you recruit them. And guess what? I can guarantee the listeners, nobody in an interview from the company side is ever going to say to you, I'm actually looking to recruit C players and that's why you're here and not somebody else. They will always say to you, oh yeah, you're talented. You're going to be super. You're a superstar. They will never say to you, I think you're C talent and that's what I need and that's why I'm interviewing you and not somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a, an immediate red flag, right? If the HR person said, I need nickels that'll never be dimes and you fit the bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just how the world operates and you're never going to know that. Right. I think one important call out there is I remember back when I was in, gosh, I think it was my last year of college, I was able to go to this international meeting. I was down in Latin America. We were watching a talk from Peter Drucker, and he was talking about the second wave of innovation. And this is back in 2000, 2001, around then. And his whole thing was, you need to differentiate or die, right? There needs to be differentiation, especially as a wave of technology and information comes. Differentiate yourself, your product, your service, whatever it is, or you'll be gobbled up. And I think that holds true for knowledge workers today. Differentiate yourself, and you do that by having that learning agility, by adding knowledge, by providing that value to the organization. And I think that's something that I've always thought about in my career is how am I different? What am I doing to continuously improve myself and show value to the organization? You're not going to be gobbled up. You're going to be spit out. Because <laughs> if you're not leading the team, somebody is, and it's not you. So when AI comes, when AI can take your role, you're going to be gone. I have this conversation with my friends often about AI and the rise of the, of the bots, right? Of the robots. And we see it now in, in Black Mirror and Westworld and, and honestly in the front page of Forbes every other day, how AI is starting to creep in and add value to the organization. And this is a worker that doesn't need PTO, doesn't need benefits and is omnipresent. I was read an article the other day about how organizations now are using software to watch you and watch how, how much you work and how efficient you are at work. And I said, you know, 2020 is the year where we're going to look back and say, remember when they started putting those bots watching us on our computer to see how efficient we were 10 years later? Now we see that efficiency has said, well, maybe we don't need 40%, 50% of our workforce. We can do it with these super performers. So my thoughts on bots is quite interesting because I actually saw a TED talk in the last year that said, this is where bots and AI really is today. And it's not as capable as we think. Yes, Alexa and Google Home and Siri can tell us how to get around our neighborhood and they can tell us the weather, but it's still not really there beyond some of the basic components. So for example, if you said to Alexa, where do you get your information from, Google or Amazon? And it didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
the end of the day, you know, where is Alexa figuring out all this information? If you say, Alexa, play this music, that information is probably stored in Amazon stores. But if you ask Alexa, are you using Google as your search or Amazon? It goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Or maybe it doesn't want to tell us, right? That's the other thing. Yeah, but you get the gist of it. And we tried it with several different conversations and it, it didn't know. Yeah, my concern was how are companies going to be using this kind of tracking software to make management decisions? So maybe it doesn't seem like you're doing a lot of work because maybe you're very efficient, you know, or maybe that you get the work done by speaking human to human face to face with your colleagues as opposed to sending them Slack messages. So I think it'll be interesting to see how we have more data on how our workers are are actually doing their job and how managers interpret that and then make decisions based on it. So that's an interesting, good thing to be watching for as an indicator down the pipe. However, if you want to stay ahead of the game, that technology and software is never going to be able to track how many times you have an insightful idea or comment that changes the business conversation and helps the business go into an area that nobody thought about. There you go. And that kind of leads back to the learning agility, right? If you're adding to your skill set, then make sure you're also providing value to the organization and doing it at the right time and the right place. So people take advantage of that and say, hey, Cheryl actually knows what he's talking about. He keeps coming up with these different ideas. It might not show up in the PowerPoint, but it shows up in the meetings. That's a good call out because at the end of the day, Damien, you know, if you can see something, if you can connect the dots and then frame the conversations so that most people can understand it and pull out the complexity of it and mm-hmm. say, make it simple that a five-year-old or an 11-year-old can understand, that's really powerful. Absolutely. I think that's something that, I think this is a topic for a whole other conversation is communication and how important communication is now today, especially as things get more and more digital. I mean, look at us, we're hooked up to two computers and we're floating heads in space as we talk to each other. <laughs> the ability to, to communicate clearly, concisely, and get your message across is something that a computer is not really going to help you with, right? So that's something that you need to practice. That's correct. The computer is never going to help you communicate and feel what another person's feeling. That's what they call tactic knowledge. A computer is is nowhere close to handling tactic knowledge. Right. So if you have a blend of those, right? So if you have a mastery of how to communicate and how to work with technology, and yet you also have the ability to communicate to small or large groups and get your thought across in a concise manner. I feel like that's something that's one of those soft skills that people are going to be looking for as we move forward. Absolutely. It's going to be the differentiator to make people different versus being extinct. Being distinct versus extinct. Oh, I like that. Distinct versus extinct. Yeah, that's Tom Peters. (laughs) I was going to give you the credit. No, it's it's not me. It's Tom (laughs) Peters. So I better get it out there now. So, (laughs) but it's a great phrase, right? It's be distinct or be extinct. And, you know, he wrote a book about it and he talks about it in several of his books. Let me ask you something. We talked a lot about how we ourselves can go about increasing our knowledge base and, and having that curiosity and that learning agility. Is there anything that HR leaders or companies can do to, kind of empower their folks or help them along and get them to have that learning agility as well? Yeah, I'm going to go out here and say most companies are failing on that level because what we've seen is, and the research is out there that says senior executives know this is a problem and they're not addressing it.
seen it yet. And what companies need to do is they need to be more active in having a learning agility mindset. And if it's not core value in the company, then you're probably going to work for just an average company and you're going to have an average job. And if you choose that, that's okay. Because if you want to just make $50,000 a year and go home and be a great father and a great mother, that's a great choice. However, if you want to be CEO of a billion dollar company, you need be on the next level. I'll give you an example. We were talking to a client and they were having marketing and client acquisition issues. And so we said to them, what is your marketing budget? And the guy's like, uh, well, I'm not really sure. And he said, so how big do you want to be in five years? And the guy's like, oh, we want to be a billion dollar company. And my associate <laughs> just laughed at him. Didn't really laugh at him, but it was like, okay, let's be serious now. How much do you want to be in five years? And he says, we want to be a billion dollar company. This is a $5 million company today. And he's like, we want to be a billion dollar company in five years. And my associate just turned and looked at the individual and said, let's talk about a billion dollar company and what their marketing budget is. A billion dollar company spends about a hundred million dollars on marketing every year. What would your marketing budget look like in five years from now? And the guy was like, oops. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> he, he just didn't know what he was talking about, right? That's interesting. And I feel like it's one thing to have an aspirational goal. It's a, quite another thing to plan and measure and then make sure that you're making steps to achieve that. <laughs> Saying that you want to be a billion dollar business is great, but how are you going to make that huge leap from $5 million to a billion without knowing what you're doing? So measuring and then having a plan to get there. Right. Exactly. Gerald, I think this has been an incredible conversation so far for me. I think that I've learned. So hopefully I've put something into my learning agility bucket. And I think you've dropped a lot of great little nuggets of information. We'll have all the information here afterwards in the notes so that other people can go out and make sure that they're putting more value into them themselves, adding value to their business, and hopefully adding to that learning agility and culture in everything they do. So thank you so much for your time today, Gerald. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for chatting with me, Damien.